Hi, this is Pete Agnew from Nazareth, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection, and you should be too. Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm your host, Michael Citro, and this is episode 57. For this episode, I spoke with Pete Agnew, bass player and founding member of Nazareth. Nazareth is a fantastic band. You know them, Love Hurts, Hair of the Dog, been around for more than 50 years. They're about to drop their 25th album, if you can believe that. It's called Surviving the Law, and it comes out April 15th. Pete was nice enough to talk to me, called me from his house in Scotland, and we spoke about the making of this album, talked a little bit about his background in music, how he got started, how he switched from a guitarist to a bass player. Of course, we talked about that classic album, Hair of the Dog, and uh, we talked a little bit about his bandmates as well. So tons of good stuff. Really appreciate Pete's time. Before I bring you that interview, I just want to remind you I'm out there on socials, so give me a follow or a like. It's at Mike's Records on Twitter, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, it's Michael's Record Collection. I would encourage you to visit michaelsrecordcollection.com, and from there, you can sign up for my free newsletter. It comes out every week, and it costs nothing. Uh, I would also encourage you to check out my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. And uh, there's some pretty cool perks there, I think. You can give them a look, and for as little as $2 a month, you can support independent podcasting and independent writing. But there's no pressure. If you go there and you look at the different tiers and none of them are to your liking, well, that's fine. Also, uh, would love to hear from you. Write to me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. With all of that out of the way, let's get to that interview with Pete Agnew. Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very excited to have with me for this episode Pete Agnew, original founding member of Nazareth. Pete, thanks for your time today. Hi, Michael. It's my pleasure. Where are you talking to me from today, sir? I'm talking to you from uh, just outside a little town called Dunfermline in Scotland, which is uh, other side of the river from Edinburgh. You know, if if, if it was a little place outside Orlando, you would you would probably say this uh, would be a suburb of Edinburgh, but it's not. It's an, it's a separate town. So we're on the up up in the middle of Scotland. Okay. So uh, I'm very excited to talk to you today. You've got a new album coming out April 15th on Frontiers Music called Surviving uh-huh. the Law. Uh-huh. And this is an exciting time. It's going to be available via digital download, CD, and special orange or yellow colored vinyl LPs and cassettes from the Frontiers online shop. So uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, it was quite weird, actually. I didn't know about this coloured thing. You're just telling me there just now. I didn't realise that was the thing. No, it was when the record company, you know, when you get the sleeves, when you do the sleeves for them. Uh, you know, years ago, they started getting, you know, you would do all the, the lyrics and all this stuff and get the, the layouts for the CD. And then they started doing uh, vinyls again. And it was, oh, yeah, OK, so now you've got to do the layouts for your CD. And then you've got the different ones for the LP, as we called them. But then this time they said, and the cassette booklet, and I said, a what? A cassette booklet? Are you kidding me? So I'm just waiting for them to ask me to get a book together for an eight-track here, you know. Seems to be we're headed back to that. Yeah, we're going backwards. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Before we dive into the record, I wanted to start off with some some background stuff. I wanted to ask you what your what was your initial introduction to music like? What was your earliest memories of of becoming interested in music oh, well, oh that's easy that was that was elvis and um that was the very that was the one you know when i was 11 10 10 11 that was the when 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 i first heard him um that and chuck berry you know all that stuff that that that, that very early stuff that was just coming all hitting the the world just when i was uh getting to the you know getting out of the I don't know what you call it. We call primary school here before we went to secondary. Mm-hmm. So it was just you know when you were you were very becoming aware of uh, of music because you couldn't you couldn't ignore that. I mean it was a it was an incredible 
uh, <laughs> arrival when Presley came out, you know. So that was it. All the all that early rock stuff was really what me. That's when that's when I bought a guitar, you know, and started playing that when I was like twelve, you know. So that was going back to let me see in nineteen fifty five, nineteen fifty six. Do you remember having a, a favorite record early on? A, a, one of your maybe your first favorite record. Well, I mean, the, my first favorite records that I had uh, early early on was uh, listening to records my father had. I mean, I remember Tennessee Ernie Ford uh, singing "My Hobby." You know, that was um, that was one of the, that's one of the ones that I, I, I first so I heard records getting played. Uh, yeah. Slim Whitman uh, doing plus things like uh, you know China Doll and uh, Indian Love Call. These can. Uh, Springtime in the Rockies, and these kind of things, and that's this is well, I'd probably be about eight or nine at that time, eight, seven or eight. So that was that was the first sort of records, the first music sort of heard, you know. Mm -hmm. Were you from a musical fa uh, family, or or were you kind of one of the first to pick up an instrument and get going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom used to, my mom used to be. She was she danced in the sort of uh, she was a dancer in the local opera house and things, but no, nobody was. Nobody was um, nobody played any instruments as far as I was ever told anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was I was the first one, and then I, I started messing around, and you know, like harmonica and, and little. I remember my, my father we found this little accordion thing, you know. I remember having a bang at that just for fun, you know, when I was a kid. But um, but the guitar was the first serious thing, you know. That was that was the first love, if you like, you know. And again, yeah. that was. I mean, I bought I bought my guitar. Well, I say I bought my guitar. I got my guitar for my Christmas, and that was the year that uh, Johnny B. Good came out. And that was it. When I heard Johnny B. Good, I definitely have to have a guitar. I had to play a guitar. Yeah. When did you make the transition from guitar to bass? Well, that was kind of I mean, that was kind of forced upon me. I mean, I, I I used to play guitar with the band. We had a band. I, I formed the band called the Shabets. Mm -hmm. And I was the lead singer with that band and and the rhythm guitar player and I, and I went for a good few years. And to cut a long story short, uh, 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 Dan used to run around with a original Nazareth singer. He used to run around with the band, you know, just friends of mine when we played places. And at one point, I was doing a thing where I kind of double vocal with another get another guy. And he let, he left the band, and we thought it would be nice to keep that kind of thing going. So we asked Dan to join. And he joined, and him and I sung like twin vocals, you know, for for a good while with the Shadets. Um, and we and I'd sort of not even been playing guitar, and then I stopped playing rhythm guitar. Anyway, eventually when we fired the bass player, and because uh, he was always turning up late to gigs, and I used to have to play the first two or three songs, you know, on the bass every every night while we were on because he was never showing up. So eventually they fired him, and we thought, well, who's got, who are we going to get to play the bass? And everybody said, well, you do it. You know, you were, you were laughing. Ah, I don't know. I don't know if I fancy it, you know. And I don't know if I could do that. And they said, well, it's only got four strings. It can't be that hard. You know, so uh, <laughs> I said, well, I suppose so. When you look at it that way. So I was really just, I sort of fell into it by accident because there was nobody else in the town that we lived that we fancied getting in, you know. So I started mm -hmm. playing bass. And that was it. That, and, that's, that, and that was in there. Uh, I mean, I didn't actually start playing bass until... Just about the year before, the year before we, I mean, about a year and a half, two years before we made our first album, you know. So that was back in, it must have been about 69, I think, when I started playing bass. Wow. So it's not been, it's not been, it's not been a whole, the whole of my musical career, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. It's, it's only got four strings. How hard could it be? That's great. And all these years no, later. No, that was, that, that was it. That was, that was the one, that was the big tester, you know. <laughs> Any fool can play this. It's only got four strings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all these years later, here you are still playing it. That's, uh, that's fantastic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I keep saying, you know, I used to keep coming across these guys playing a six-string bass, and I keep saying, why? You know, why are you giving yourself all that extra work there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do you keep your hands in shape, uh, you know, in playing shape? Uh, I mean, it's... After after this many years of doing anything, you would think you know you'd run into those um, those issues that you have with uh, you know repetitive movements uh, of your you know of your fingers and that kind of thing. I've 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 been 
I've been pretty lucky. I do, I, you know, now and again, I do, I get, uh, I just, I, I mean, I've always had uh, kind of bother with cramp and stuff, you know, um, and, my, and yeah, the last sort of 20 years, but it's never really affected my playing, you know. It's, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've, been, I've been very lucky as far as that's concerned, because I know what you're talking about. I've seen quite a few guys, you know, the, uh, where the, 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 well, stopped them playing, you know. A lot, of, a lot of guys I know that can't hold a pick anymore, you know, which is a bummer. But no, I've been, I've been very lucky. I've, I've, it's not anything that I've done, you know. I just, th- I, in fact, I think it is just luck. I think it's, it's just a, you know, you either get it or you don't, you know. <laughs> uh yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, I don't do any exercises. <laughs> genetics or or luck, whatever you whatever you yeah, call it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good that you're still able to do it. So. Uh, this guitarist named Pete, who became a bassist uh, out of necessity, uh, ends up playing on one of the great rock albums of all time in Hair of the Dog, Nazareth 1975 release. Did you guys know when you were making this album that it was a special album? No, no, really. I mean, because the, the thing is, what made it what what made it special is it's the first album that we had that came out that made it in, in America in the US. You see, we used to we had uh, three really big hit albums, but they were in Europe and, and other places, not America. Up in Canada, we had platinum records in Canada. You know. Mm-hmm. Before we even had one hit in America, so it was it was a kind of Hair of the Dog was the breakthrough album uh, for the US. Uh, up until then, we used to tour. We toured the US, but we never ever got that thing for the radio play. We never we never get through to them, even in the the earlier albums. Like I say, that were big hits, big hits in Europe and and up and and Canada and South America. This the elusive uh, US hit, you know. So when we made Hair of the Dog, no, we never. I don't think we we saw it as um, as anything special because we'd already had three very big hit albums, you know, before it. And and if anything, there was probably more uh, commercial stuff on them than there was on Hair <laughs> of the Dog, you know. Yeah. But Hair of the Dog was Hair uh, of the Dog was 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 a lucky break because I mean uh, it would have been a hit if we hadn't put um, Love Hearts on it. We didn't see Love Hearts isn't on the album anywhere else except in the US. Mm-hmm. It was Jerry Moss uh, and AM Records before they released the album there. It had been released everywhere else before they released it. He heard this one that we just recorded as a B side, you know, just for a throwaway thing for a B side for when we released a single from it. And he heard it and he said, No, no, I want to take this other track with another track called Guilty, which is by Randy Newman. And the mm-hmm. song ran, and we had that. That's on all over the world. That's the song that's on the album. That got taken off, and he put on Love Hurts. Now, what stemmed from there then? What really made the album huge? <laughs> is it, uh, it gets longer. I can't. I can't tell this quickly because it's the way it was. Uh, if Love Hurts came on, and it started getting, it started being a big hit in the states. But what happened was, we had this song on it called "Well, Hair of the Dog." Which is mm-hmm. basically Son of a Bitch, as you well know. Yeah. And, uh, and the album was supposed to be called Son of a Bitch, but the, because that was no big deal to us. You see, we came from Britain. That's not even a swear word here. Nobody uses it. Nobody mm-hmm. uses the expression anywhere outside of America. So it meant nothing to us. We just thought it was a catchy thing that everybody says in America, because everybody did say it in America. So <laughs> we were going to call it that. And AM Records said, oh, no, 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 you can't call an album that. Sears won't sell it. And we went, oh, so we'll have to change the name. So we thought Air of the Dog, 
as, as an H-E-I-R, and having a laugh about it, and then eventually <laughs> they called it Hair of the Dog. Now, what happened with that was, because of the, the big sing-along chorus thing, sort of a bitch thing, that could never, ever get played on AM radio. Uh, mm-hmm. over in America, at least then. So what happened is that time, all the college stations were big, big that at that time. You know, all the college had stations and FM stations. And they hooked onto that track. Because because Love Hurts had been big, they listened to the rest of the album and they found that one. And of course, that became the most of that. That was the one that became the anthem. But um, if we'd have just released that album without Love Hurts on it, it would never have been a hit in America. Because you'd never, you would never have heard Hair of the Dog. <laughs> you'd yeah. never have heard the Fear of a Bitch track. So it's a, I, I know it's a long-winded story, that, but that album, that's the truth. That album would have been nowhere if it hadn't have been <clears throat> a lucky break that Jerry Moss said, take that track off and put what Love Hurts on. And that thing would have, dis- it would have disappeared into obscurity in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm... I feel very lucky, feel very lucky about that one. I'm very thankful to Jerry Moss. Yeah, I'm glad you did put that out, that song on there because it's even to this day it still sounds great to me. I, I think it's um, just an all time classic. And and I remember, and I'm glad you addressed this because I was going to bring it up in terms of of the language and and how Americans view the word bitch uh, as opposed to people in Great Britain. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's um, I remember it being you know, sort of one of those rebellious songs here because you know, right. people could crank it up and it would, it, it really had sort of an attitude to it. And, and, and the language was part of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you find it, well, actually, you find it absolutely, absolutely hilarious when you consider the language it's on radio now, you know, like, <laughs> and what people are doing now. <laughs> uh, I mean, they wouldn't even have been able to record half the records that are coming out now, never mind that. But yeah, that was a kind of, that, it was a fun, it was a fun track to do. And uh, and of course, when we came to America, the sing-along chorus, it was loudly sung along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I imagine yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I remember I remember hearing it late night on FM radio stations and you know they wouldn't they wouldn't play it during civilized hours at least at first that's but right, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. and we used to we used to do all these radio interviews at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As the only original member of the band left, what keeps you going, Pete? And and what drives you to keep Nazareth um, making new albums and and playing live. Well, I'm, well, obviously I enjoy it. Obviously, you know, I'm, I feel very lucky to be able to be in a a job or a what I don't know if it's a job or a calling or a vocation or whatever that you can keep doing. You know, there's no retirement age with this game, and mm-hmm. uh, so I'm I'm thankful to be able to keep doing this till I die. So I'm, I'm hoping I can do that if your, your health stays along. You know, but no, I've been. You've got to, you know, playing live is always good fun, but you've got to record. I mean, I, I I know a lot of bands that are the same, been around the same length of time as us, and they're not really bringing out anything new. You know, they're just the the okay. They play their or the old hits because I mean, and you've got to do that. I mean, when we go on tour, if we don't play well, there's at least ten songs. If they're not in the set, people would ask for their money back. You know, so you know that you've got to part of most of the set is written for you because these were big hits. At the same time, it's nice to let people know that you're still being creative, you know, and you're not just just being an oldies 
kind of thing, you know, like an oldies mm-hmm. jukebox kind of thing. So, so I think I think the fan, when other fans definitely um, like to know that you're bringing out new new material and and new material that they really like. Not you know just not just writing songs for the sake of it, mm-hmm. you know, improving on what you've had out before. So we've been and we've been lucky to be able to do that. And and the thing is, I've had guys when well, we've got guys in the band now. We get younger guys in the band, you know. I mean, I'm well, I'm 75, but the other guys, you know, you're talking late 50s, early 50s, and stuff. So they've got, um, they've got, you know, they're still, they still got the juices flowing, you know. They still want to be making records. Mm-hmm. So and and, look, and I like to make records as well, obviously. So, but I, I think the main thing is, is you, you've got to try and and uh, be, I don't know, current if you like, you know, you, you and still be able to. Show that you're that you're, you're worth that you're worth the staying around, you know. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah you know, it's, as, as I say, we like making records, but I think I think you need to. I think you do. I think you've got to be uh, not just putting out your greatest hits, you know, uh, and a, or a different version of the greatest hits and getting them re-released in a different package. It's nice to come out with you know fourteen new songs and the people go, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you're going above and beyond because uh, a lot of people would just put ten on there, but you guys, you like you said, you have fourteen. I you're well, a... well after the pandemic, we could have had thirty-four. Yeah, everybody's at home writing songs. <laughs> well, you're you can tell you're a, a seasoned pro at this, Pete, because I was going to ask you, you know, about playing live and what your approach is to playing new songs as opposed to just being a a Nazareth classics act when you go out on the road? Well, yeah, but I mean, as I say, I mean, the majority of the set is going to be from your older material, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the, that's that that's what made you famous, if you like, you know, and that's what people I mean. You know, if you go along, if you go along, you see Deep Purple and they decide not to play, I don't know, Smoke on the Water, you're going to be saying, hey, hey, you know, you forgot one. You know, so you know, so you've you've got to you've got to be able you've got to give the people what they want. Obviously, I mean, if I go along and see a band, I mean, I, I remember a few years ago went to see Jackson Brown, and Jackson was playing his new some new stuff. God love him, he was still playing new stuff. But you were going, yeah, 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 that's fine. Thank you, thank you. Come on, doctor, my eyes. I want to. This is what I come to hear. You know. Yeah. So you've got to do that. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to do that, and 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 everybody knows that. But it's nice to be able to say, we'd like to do this one from their new album. It's a great feeling to be able to say that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and and it does keep and it does keep the band on their toes as well. You know, you keep it keeps everybody keeps everybody's mind fresh. You know, writing the songs, recording them, and then playing them and seeing how they go down and everything. It's great. It's really 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 good. So we we enjoy the whole process. But I mean, we but we do we do we're not stupid. We know that we couldn't go out. And, and play, you know, he go out and do six songs from the new album in your set. I mean, nobody wants to, you know, they want you to see, they want you to make a new album, but they don't want you to go and play the whole thing to them. You know, yeah. you know, there's there's a limit. Yeah, generally, we always figure uh, the way we've always worked it. We always figure you play three or four from the new one, you know, and into a set, and that always keeps everybody happy, you know. We say, what you're doing is, if you listen to this one, we'll play one that we know you love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're making a deal. (laughs) uh, You know, here's the deal. We're going to give you a couple of these. uh, No, but, you know, so the thing is, when we came out with, especially the last two, the Tattooed on My Brain, everybody loved that. It was a great album, actually. It was was one of the best Nazareth albums we ever made. So everybody was shouting for songs from that one, you know, when we were out touring. Only thing is, we only got to tour with that for about, about I don't know, about nine months, and then the pandemic hit us, you know. Yeah. So we never really got, we never really got to test that one as much, as well as we could have. Uh, this new one, I've been getting really good. I've, I've been getting good reviews for it, you know, and and I think I think uh, I think it's another good album, and I think uh, our fans will really like it. So we might manage maybe a few more off of this one, you know, and and the. The set, what I'm saying, and the live set, if we ever get to play again. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's incredible what's going on, you know. Um, uh, I don't know, you guys have opened up over there, but um, there's a lot of trickery and stuff going on, you know, over here, out in Europe especially, you know, where in some cases, uh, 
people are there. No promoters are getting government uh, you know, grants if their if their gigs are cancelled. So what are happening is promoters are booking bands all over the place and then cancelling the shows, <laughs> just collecting the money. <laughs> it's just that's getting it's getting really really stupid. You know, for the for the for the bands that are playing the clubs and things, it's really really serious. You know, yeah. So it's 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 it's. Uh, if we do get back to playing, we'll we'll put some new ones in the set. <laughs> Great. So let's talk a little bit about the new album. The lineup is the same as 2018's "Tattooed on My Brain." It's uh, Carl Sentence on vocals. He's been with the band since 2015. Put out a really good solo album, "Electric Eye," last year in November. Uh, Jimmy Murison on guitar. He's been with the band for more than 20 years yourself on bass, your son on drums, Lee. He uh, took over when, when Daryl Sweet passed. And I was curious as to how the writing process on this album kind of took place. Because you all wrote, right, for this album? Yeah, yeah, everybody writes. I mean, every, every, everybody's, mainly with Nazareth, we always were that. We always wrote individually. Although in the old days, you know, we'd get together and jam quite a bit in, in rehearsal places and come up with things like, well, like Hair of the Dog, you know, mm -hmm. that, those kind of riff things um, that you do that. But generally we write um, individually and then go in and take take the stuff and send the stuff to the guys, see what they, see what they think, you know. And, the, and this one, <clears throat> I'm assuming you're, you're asking about this one because of the 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 pandemic and the stay at home thing. Uh, so but that that's kind of affected the writing. Mm -hmm. In the case of this album, you know, we had. Uh, I mean, I remember when they locked us down uh, two years ago, and we, after about four months, Jimmy had sent me about twelve new songs. <laughs> going, what do you think of this? So everybody was writing like mad. You know, there was there was songs up because they had nothing else to do. You know, they had no, absolutely nothing else to do. So there was, every, like I say, everybody uh, the, everybody was writing. So there was a huge choice of material. You know, when we came to, when we came to record this album, and, uh, and that's just the, the, the way, the way that they, that, that turned out, you know, I think, I think we made the right mixture, you know, of different songs from different people and uh, things. I mean, I, th I actually found, I actually found the writing on this one not difficult, but uh, I mean, I, I generally, uh, I like to sort of be traveling. I, 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 a lot of energy happening, you know, like when I'm, if I'm driving a car, I get, often, very often get ideas, you know, for songs or things or for little bits of tunes. I've always mm -hmm. got a wee recorder there, you know. Well, these days you've got your mobile phone to do that. But uh, the same as when you're in tour buses or hotels when you're traveling, the airport's backstage. Wherever airports, you get ideas. Well, this time I was kind of tied to the house, you know, all the time. I was in the same, sitting in the same place in the in my studio, uh, mm -hmm. just all the time, and it was kind of weird. It was a, I, I, I mean, I didn't write songs about being on the road, but you get the inspiration to write. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this time, it, you know, I found that everything I'd written this time was kind of a bit introspective, you know. And uh, I mean, I, I was quite happy with some of the songs, but I never really thought that it would fit that much. That well to the to the album the way the guys were all writing the rock stuff, so when you know when we come to doing it, I didn't even bother bringing most of them forward. But there was one, the one that finishes the album that uh, you made me, the one that I wrote and sung on that. Everybody in the band liked that one. You know they'd seen the demo, so well, we've got to do that one. So I said, okay, well we'll do that one. I was I've only actually got one on this album that I wrote, but um, mm -hmm. I think Lee's got 
five and Jimmy's got five and Carl's got three and and that one amount. I mean, there's never any, you know, there's never any sort of, or oh, he does that and he does that. We just get the songs and we choose the ones, you know, as as we, as we go, you know, if everybody likes this one, do you want to try this one? I try that one, see how it works out, when, you know, when everybody plays it. And and that's and that's the that's the choice that we came to. So yeah, and I hope everyone loves it. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh, were you already? Were you in lockdown when the writing started for this album? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, I was. Uh, and then even it was. Um, well, we'd done, <clears throat> we'd done. Uh, tattooed on my brain, and then we toured a fair bit. You know, in fact, we're very busy touring. And I, I don't think anybody had really anything written. You know, up until. 20, well, they maybe have a few ideas down, you know. But then when the lockdown thing happened, I mean, everybody become very serious about it because, like I say, there was absolutely nothing else to do and nothing else to take up your time. So you know, it was full-time songwriters. You know, there was nothing <laughs> else. And, and and so it was, a, yeah, it was, it was, that's what we caught. I'm sure, uh, I mean, I know it happened where every other band I was talking to, Mick, I'm, I'm, during the, the lockdown, talked to other musicians, and I was especially Mick Box, Mick from Uriah Heap, him and I are quite close. And they were doing the same thing. He was just writing songs, you know, trying to write songs every day. So I think it, um, it had a, had a the, I, I don't think there'll be an album comes out within the next year or two that from anybody that doesn't have some kind of reference to the time that they were locked down. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely some of, yeah. And it was funny because even when we, I mean, even when we went to re record it, I mean, it was still weird to you, you know, because we, we were going to do it last uh, spring, but I mean, the lockdown was still awful, you know, you, the quarantine things where people are moving around. So even even we put it off, you know, so that we wanted at least the bars and the pubs to be open so that the guys could go out after the studio, you know. Yeah. So eventually we we decided to do it in August last year, but I mean, I had to bring. Yeah, our, our, our producers from Switzerland. So Jan here to come in here to do ten days quarantine. You know, over here before we went in the studio, we were getting checked for the COVID tests every day. Going at the studio, uh, our singer he was, lives outside of Vienna. Well, he can come back and forward all the time as they normally do. Uh, so we, basically, we were sending him the files, and he was doing the vocals over there. You know, for the lead vocals. Mm -hmm. and send it back and we would work on the stuff like that. I mean, not that that's unusual. A lot of people record like that anyway, but but it was a bit more of that on this album than the, there had been on anything else. So, and it, it felt like there was a lot of the restrictions still in place. I was actually, it was funny because I was actually saying to somebody, I think, you know, we wrote we wrote the album in jail and we recorded it on parole, you know? So that's, what, <laughs> that's, what it, that's, what, that's what it felt, you know? Yeah. So it's... Um, it, it, it did work out fine, but it was uh, it was it was it's funny. The first it was strange days, as we say, and it was that was the first release that off the album. One that Lee wrote, uh, uh, the Strange Days track, you know, and it says uh, it wasn't uh, actually it wasn't referring to to the lockdown. It was just uh, it just so happened it was uh, that he'd written that song, <laughs> and it was uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it was Strange Days, right enough, you know. Yeah, it does sound like, uh, you know, you, if you look at the track list, you would think that Strange Days and maybe Waiting for the World to End were, were <laughs> pandemic songs, right? <laughs> uh, well, Waiting for the World to End definitely is. I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy was, he, Jimmy wrote that one. I think he was, he actually, he still thinks that's going to happen. So you better watch this space. You know? 
Yeah, for sure. So tell me about this title, Surviving the Law. Is this a is this a saying over there? Where did this come no, from? No, 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 no. That was just a thing that came to me. I was, I was, I'd been talking with uh, Roger Glover, and the and they just called their album uh, "Turning to Crime," you know, uh, Deep Purple, mm-hmm. and and it turned to crime. And I said at one point, I, I can, you know, I can understand you, <laughs> you turning to crime. I tell you what happened because. I said, you turn into crime because we're barely surviving the laws. And I thought, here, wait a minute, that would, after I finished, I thought, that, that would make a good title because what happened is we went out, we've not played very many shows. In fact, we've only played six, seven shows uh, since all this, you know, since this all began, the plague hit us. And mm-hmm. we were going out and going out to Europe. Now, what, we, we went out to play in uh, Switzerland. We went up to Denmark, one place in Germany. And what also happened while that lockdown was in place is we had this, I don't know if you guys have heard it over there, Brexit, they call it. So yeah. When we split, we split with Europe, you know. So, I mean, what used to be the rules uh, then uh, and the rules now are very, very much different for when you're traveling, you know, especially if you come from Britain. And, mm-hmm. and they kind of punish us a little bit as well, you know, for being cheeky and leaving. So, you know, nothing's, it's not straightforward. So between the COVID rules uh, for traveling, uh, you know, when you went, I mean, it was, it's a nightmare traveling between uh, mainland Europe and Britain. I mean, all the tests you had to do, all the forms you had to fill up, all the things. And what would happen was, you know, you know, in actual fact, in the world and even where you are, and every there's there's hundreds of laws being passed every year. In fact, thousands of laws being passed every year, and they don't make it to the statute books for for it. They're, they're the law, but you, they're not in the books yet. You know, there's mm-hmm. lots of that goes on. Now, in other words, you you can break a law that you didn't even know that you can't read about. You know, <laughs> so as, as you know, you can't read about it. You say, let me see that. Where it's well, we haven't run it down yet, but uh, you you you, you want to do this, you know. So between that, between these things getting changed, every we would travel out there and we would say, right, we need to do this form for that. Oh no, that's changed. Oh, is it all right? So they changed that, and uh, and uh, no, you have to do this now, and 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 so that got changed, and this got changed, and it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it's dizzying what was going on, and I just thought. We were surviving the law, you know, just because we were just managing to keep our head above it, you know. And that's yeah. what we've got on the sleeve on the sleeve of the album is that person just coming out of the, the sort of marble of the law courts, you know, just trying to keep just try to stay above it, you know, try try to exist, survive. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's really I mean, it came from a whole the whole feeling uh, that's especially like I say, especially if you're a traveler, you know, if if you're traveling in, and and in our job, as you know, that's that's that takes up fifty percent of the job. In fact, more of that is traveling. You know? Yeah. And uh, so we we can uh, we we come up we come up uh, uh, against a lot of um, every day we come we we tend to come up uh, uh, against a lot of walls that a lot of people don't see. You know, I don't yeah. I don't meet. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So. A lot of people who were fans of Nazareth uh, during the classic era, they may not be familiar with Carl, your lead singer, who does a fine job on this album like he did yeah. the last one. How did Carl enter the picture for Nazareth? Well, actually, that was a, a, a head of them through a friend of mine who's a, a, a drummer of Scotland. And see, when when Dan had to leave, you know, because of his health and thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he was, I mean, obviously, we, well, we decided, well, will we carry on or will we not? And I don't know. Dan's a very, very hard man to replace. I mean, he had such an iconic voice, you know, and it's just, you know, that's a hard man to, to take over from. And it's a hard thing to replace. It's always a hard thing to replace a lead singer anyway, you know. I mean, you can you can change, well, people do it all the time, but we've done it. You can change guitar players, you can change drummers, you can change bass players, you can do all that without anybody hardly noticing in the band, but you change the lead singer, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. That's the, that's the sort of sound of the band, really, you know. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, if we want to continue, we're going to have to continue and do it kind of 
it's kind of like starting over again. But um, we wanted to get a singer, but we didn't want to get a, a Dan sounder like, you know, because, well, we would have got slammed by the, fa the fans, definitely, and would have got slammed by the reviewers. I know we would, you know, that people wouldn't have stood for that. And when we were, so when we were looking for a singer, you know, I was getting a lot of things, a lot of uh, audition tapes, if we still call them tapes, but audition files sent to me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a, lot, a lot of really good singers. And a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them were doing, what was doing a dance sound, sound alike, you know, mm -hmm. and this is, and a lot of them were very good at it, but I thought that this is definitely what we don't need. <clears throat> We need a good singer that can do Nazareth stuff, but when we make it sound as if everything's fresh, it's all got to sound as if it's, you know, fired up again. So we heard about Carol from, like I say, that something new about her dilemma and said, why do you have a listen to this guy? So I went out to YouTube and I saw him doing a thing with, uh, a thing with um, the guys, it was, it was one of these rock classics, concert things, you know, where we a 10-piece band with two or three singers, this kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, like a review. He was on that, he was doing that, and he was, and also saw him, his big mates with, uh, what's his name, uh, keyboard player with Deep Purple. Uh, anyway, I saw him, I saw him done a few, a, a few things, and I thought, this guy's really, really good. And he sounds nothing like Dan at all. He doesn't, he doesn't have the same approach, but he's a very good singer, so we'll let him hear a few tracks and say, do, you know, learn up these sort of four tracks. And he was quite keen to join us. So we brought him up to Scotland to have a listen to him. And we played uh, like the first track. I mean, the first track we were playing, we just knew it, you know, like halfway through, everybody was nodding to each other. Going, yeah, this is the guy. Because it was, he did a great job with the song. It was actually a Silver Dollar Forgery song. Um, and he did a really, really, really good job of the song. And half, halfway through the song, we knew it was us. You know, the gig was us. And uh, so he's, he, he come on and he's been very, very good with the, we're doing the classic Nazareth stuff. And the big worry with that was, you know, when you started to, are the fans going to accept it, you know? Mm -hmm, sure. But, the thing is, you'll always, you'll always get people who won't, obviously, you know I mean? You get, I said, we still get people, oh, you know, it's, it'll never, it's not the same as the original lineup. Well, I mean, the original lineup was, was, was I mean, God knows, 30 years ago or something, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Manchester United still don't have, you know, George Best playing football with them, but they're still winning trophies, you know. So <laughs> we thought, um, I well, you know, you were going to get that. But when we went out to tour with, with Carl, just shortly after he joined us, then you see the reaction there. And he's very, very good on stage. He's an excellent front man. And so, I mean, the, the audience took, they, they took to the guy right away, you know, and uh, he could, always got very, very favourable reviews, even in even in the Facebook, you know. I mean, we, we leave <coughs> the comments, because you always get the comments, you know, especially when you bring a new album out. They'll, they'll, be, they'll come at the woodwork, you know, with the comments of it. You know, I'll, you know, that the, the, oh, you know, we're going to miss Dan and that, but they always, always compliment Carl with the job he's doing, and it could have easily went the other way, you know, where it was it just just wouldn't be accepted. So not only has he done a good job as far as we're concerned, it seems to be that he's done a very good job as far as the fans are concerned, and of course that's the most important, you know. Yeah, it's it's really tough for a band to be in that position because you're right, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If uh, if you bring in somebody that sounds like Dan McCafferty, people oh, say, oh, he's just trying to be a Dan McCafferty clone. Oh, that, yeah, and then yeah. if you bring in somebody that sounds completely different, oh, it just doesn't sound the same anymore. And there's, <laughs> you can never please everybody because humans are, sometimes they can be pretty miserable. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you just got to get on with it, you know, and say, I mean, this the, whatever, whatever this band is, you know, whatever they want to call it, whatever it is, when we're going out, uh, we're getting tremendous reaction, you know, so that's what counts it, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you do a show and you come off and, and everybody's said they had a wonderful time and they, and they heard all the songs and they loved it. So that's, that's all you can do. You know? Yeah. I, I probably was do. like that when I was younger, I was, you know, there were bands that changed lead singers and I, you know, I was, I was not uh, very forgiving of that. I didn't really give them a chance until later, but then, you know, as you, you get older, you realize the bottom line is, am I enjoying what I'm hearing? Am I enjoying what I'm That's seeing right. on the stage? 
That's it. That's it. You know, if you if you, if you come along to the, the the show, and you've uh, that's it. Job done. If you leave there, you know, you're happy. Job. Done. I mean, we're still. I mean, we're still never going. To, you're never going to please everyone. But I mean, the the the, the people. <laughs> what you know? What I I would never realize. What I could never understand is this. Says there's one like we go up someplace, you know. Yeah, I always thought this was wrong. It was, uh, you know, it was wrong. This is no way. Would this will never be Nazareth? Blah 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 blah. And I came to five shows, and I'm telling you, it was rubbish. <laughs> and you're going, hey, wait a minute. Why did you come? And why did you come to five of them? <laughs> just, 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 yeah, I wasn't so. sure after the first four. I had to come <laughs> one more. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys suck, and I've, and, I've, and I've seen you five times to prove it. Okay, well, <laughs> thanks for so buying no, a ticket. No, really. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. the thing is, it's all you know. It's all water under the bridge now because it's two albums now with the guy with with this lineup, you know, and yeah. and I know that that, that as I say. They've been very well received, and well, I say they. The first one has been very well received by everyone. So far, this one looks as if it's going to be very well received. Just going by the what's been heard of it, you know, from that's been released so far that people have liked. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, fingers crossed. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel as I, I, I didn't. Well, I wasn't even say I, I even felt nervous about um, tattooing on my brain because I knew that when we finished it, that we had a great album. And thought probably we were, and I knew when that came out that this this is people are going to love this album. You know, you just know you've got a, a, a killer. Mm-hmm. But it was this time. It was the next one that you're worried about. You know, because you think, well, that was a hell of a good album. Actually, can we follow that? <laughs> because you know, people get that when you you know you get when you get your first hit album, you always feel that you're, you're everybody has that nervousness about doing the, the next one. Well, in this case, it was our twenty fourth album. That was the one that we had the nervousness of it coming out with the twenty fifth. Yeah, twenty fifth album going to be okay. You know? Yeah, the twenty fourth one—that's a tough one. to say the uh you know the tattooed on my brain lineup getting its second go around i was going to ask you about the you know the the chemistry of the band because for me i'm just one guy but for me i think this album is more consistent than tattooed on my brain it it rocks it's got a a a lot of good guitar riffs on it throughout uh strange days and runaway are the singles that are already available for people to hear on the streaming services did you feel like you guys were more cohesive for the the writing of the second album or uh you know you mentioned that nervousness is is it you know was it not as easy as the first one well we're kind of feeling our way with tattooed on my brain uh, with the writing because when you know uh who who was writing who what what the mixture of songs that went on there you know oh we love this song we love that one uh, you know um we weren't thinking in terms of any kind of not really cohesion you know we just wanted to put all the good tracks that we liked no matter mm-hmm. what what sounded was on them i think on this one there's more of a kind of um i think there's more of a i think it's a bit heavier than than tattooed on my brain i think yeah. the, the whole yeah. album and I don't just mean noise-wise. I think it's a bit heavier in content. It's a, it's a, a little bit darker than than um, than tattooed on my brain. I mean, we don't have any sort of uh, not quite the jollity um, that was on the other one. Uh, um, I think maybe there's more. Uh, I think it ties together in a lot and a string better than than tattooed on my brain did. But um, yeah, it's, it's, 
Well, it's different, but that's we've always been. We've always prided ourselves in making sure that we didn't bring, and you know, part two of the same album that you'd just done before. You know, so we, mm-hmm. we, we wanted, we'd always avoided that throughout our career, not just with this. You know, uh, everything we've ever done. But I think this one is. Uh, no, I think I, I think it was it was all down to the to the the writing again. I, I, maybe just where it was, how it was written. You know how the things were, were done, how, how how the ideas have come to people, how it sounded. You know by the time the, they'd finished their jail sentence, I guess. So I think it, I, I think I do think that the album ties together um, a bit a bit more than than a bit better. Than the tattooed on my brain, but I mean, it's uh, that. Well, well, you've you've mentioned it yourself, so I'm assuming yeah. other people are going to mention that, you know. Yeah. So the for me, the highlights of this album, I really like "Strange Days" a lot. I like, I love the guitar riff on "Falling in Love." guys uh, blend some of the the harmony vocals uh, on the album throughout and you made me is uh, it's your song it's very stylistically different almost um almost comes off as a bonus track at the end uh, it, I don't yeah, think yeah. It's, I don't think it's different just because of the vocal I think it's also um it's more maybe a little bit more bluesy um, oh, I, the whole thing. I got I got my old keyboard player back to do it. Ronnie <laughs> used to play with us. I got he got, got him out of retirement to play the Hammond on it. No, I mean that's almost like a solo album thing, really. I mean mm-hmm. that so uh, it was just a track that the guys like. We all liked it, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't sound anything. Well, I did. I did what, what's funny. It's called you. You made me on the last album. It was you call me. I did one on that. That was the one I did on that. And what was funny is that that so again. That didn't really fit with the album. So what we do is, well, we do. You stick it on the end, you know. Just like, <laughs> so yeah. Give them all the rest of the stuff that or it joins up, and then you come to this bit and you fall off the end, you know. So it was like we put it on the end, and that's a good way to end the album with something that's completely different from from the rest of the album, you know. And that's why it is where it is and, and what it was. I mean, it was it was the twenty fifth album. Uh, I sung the the vocal on my seventy fifth birthday, so the whole thing was just a. It was a. That's uh, it's got a lot of me- a lot of meaning for me, <laughs> but um, I don't know if for the fans. I don't know, you know. I, I think that one was uh, it, it was never meant to fit, you know, with the rest. Of it. So yeah. uh, no, it was, like I say, it was never meant to. But I think the other the rest of the, the material does actually sort of tie together rather yeah. than just come out as, as rather than a whole bunch of so- songs, you know, like a. Like a greatest hits album kind of thing. It's not like that, you know. Like it's more, it's more cohesive than, yeah. than probably tattoo in my brain. I agree with you. I, I think that's a wonderful way to spend your seventy fifth anniversary recording a song. Yeah, yeah. Seventy fifth like, birthday. I, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, I figured actually the very fact that it was the very fact it was still around doing the twenty fifth album. I mean, it's unbelievable when I think of it. You know, the closer we got to that figure, I, I used to think, you know, we're going to going to make twenty five albums. Just, just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't bear thinking about. If somebody said to me back in, you know, when I was twenty five. <laughs> making my first album that I'd be making my 25th album when I was 75, you know, I think, well, I think we'd all have laughed at them back then, you know, when who, who knew, you know, mm-hmm. but actually, but the thing is, we're not that unusual now, you know, there's quite a few bands around. Uh, I don't know how many have made 25 albums, but there are 
quite a few bands that have been around this length of time, you know. As I say, nah, this is the, the thing that separates us, is that we are actually still recording, you know. Yeah. Do you have a favorite track on this album or or maybe more than one favorite? Uh, well, I don't know. I like I, I, I like uh, I like Strange Days. That's uh, I mean I thought that was a, a complete knockout. Um, I, I like a lot of the other stuff. I mean I'd, I'd really hate to hang my hat on any of them. You know, it's, there's there's a uh, when I play. You know what it was? I was it was funny the other day. There somebody told me they were telling me about iTunes. You know that mm. you could go to iTunes and you know they play little samples of all the. All the tracks, you know, when you go into iTunes, you're going to buy a track or something. And they said, oh, they've got the whole album on there. And I said, oh, have they? So I'll have a listen to that. And it was great, you know, because I was like, this is great, this. Because they've got all the tracks, obviously the first two, you can buy them, you know, the mm-hmm. first the first two. But the rest of them, you know, you just press the, you press the button and they play, I don't know what, a minute or something, you know, all the tracks. So... It was great. I could sit there and check out the whole album. So, like, well, if I was a, somebody going to buy this thing, you know, what would it be like? So I'm just pressing one. So, oh, I like that one. That's really good. Oh, I really like this one. Oh, that one's really good. It's like, no, it's good. I went through the whole album in, uh, what, 10 minutes or something like that. <laughs> a, good, a, good way to, a good way to do it. I'm sure that's what the reviewers will do now. You know, they'll just go to iTunes and listen to this bit, you know, and say, oh, that was all right. So when I did that, I realised that there was... You know, every time I got to one, I thought, oh, this is the one. I like this track. This is really, really great. And of course, I get to the next one. Oh, I really like this one. So I couldn't really say we've got a favorite. No. Yeah. Uh, sounds like you're a, a big Nazareth fan, Pete. When somebody buys this album, they whether they order the yellow or orange vinyl or the cassette or they just download it or whatever, they got Surviving the Law, they, they listen to it start to finish for the first time. What do you hope that that listener takes away from this album? Oh, well, you just sent along to ask me difficult questions here. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, I mean, I, I hope they like it. That's the first thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and whether they, I don't, I, I don't know what we, if we were trying to, we weren't aiming at giving any specific feeling, but um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I really just, I, we all just hope, hope that they liked it as much as they, they liked any of the Nazareth albums, you know, the like especially the last one. But I don't know. I mean, as you say, what would it take away from that? I don't know. I hope they're just satisfied, I guess, satisfaction. Okay. So Surviving the Law comes out April 15th, Frontiers Music. You can get it at the Frontier shop. You have to go there online uh, to the Frontiers web shop to, to buy the colored vinyl or the cassette. If you're still a cassette person, I don't know where you've been hiding, but uh, uh, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get rid of my cassettes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm you the can, boxes of them. You can check out Nazareth's website, nazarethdirect.co.uk. Uh, are you on any of the socials, Pete? No, I mean, well, well, the Facebook, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a Nazareth Facebook, but you see that when you go to the website, you know, it comes off yeah. there. Okay. I don't uh, do, I don't do any, I don't do any twitting or twatting or talking or ticking or anything like that. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't do any of that stuff. I'll leave that. Uh, I found, I'm telling you, this, this is complicated enough for me. You shouldn't be seeing me trying to get the Zoom thing together to talk to you. <laughs> I'm a Neanderthal, I'm a you know, I'm used to phones, just, you know, right? I'm still looking for the dial on the phone. Well, you're too busy still writing songs to, to mess around with all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> You're very kind, Michael. You're very kind. Pete Agnew from Nazareth. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you about this album. I hope it does very well. Good luck with it. And uh, we hope to see you on tour as soon as the world allows that to happen. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Michael. And I do hope that that's going to happen sooner than later. And I'm, I was actually talking to uh, my agency today about doing some dates in the States as well. So hopefully that's going to happen quite soon. So fingers crossed. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.